Hey friends, you are listening to the Be Well United podcast, your favorite resource for everything wellness. It is my pleasure to have the creators of the Courageous Wellness podcast on the episode for today. We have Erica Stein and Ali French who created a platform to interview real people about their personal journeys in health and wellness. Their podcast is called Courageous Wellness, and the mission is to destigmatize conversations in the wellness space and celebrate the experiences and lessons of their guests. So they're also certified holistic integrative nutrition health coaches. We'll explain what that is. I'm very excited to have them. Hi, ladies. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's so great My- to be here. Yeah. So um, Erica, why don't you start first? Can you give like a little personal introduction of who you are? Yeah. So I'm Erica, uh, one half of the Courageous Wellness team. And I got, you know, my personal journey into wellness is, um, you know, one of weight loss and self-love. They go hand in hand. And about six or seven years ago, I lost 50 pounds, um, but without actually really trying. I had always tried to lose weight um, my entire life. I carried extra weight um, from childhood. Food was always very emotional. It still is. It probably always will be. But, um, you know, my parents did the best they could. You know, there were periods in my childhood where my mom didn't have a lot of money, so we were eating fast food. Um, I always carried a little bit of extra weight. And, you know, that led as, you know, an American teenager looking at magazines and images of how I should be to always trying to hit this weight and this goal, Um, but unsuccessfully because I was trying to change the way I look to, I think, find happiness or something external, which we all know, um, or we should know, does not work. (laughs) Um, So basically after, and it's a long story that we can touch on or not touch on, but Um, we also cover it a lot in our podcast is, you know, when I finally stopped trying to lose the weight and started to love and accept my body as it was, um, the weight actually fell off my body. Um, I was so happy. My whole life began to change at my heaviest weight. I met my husband and, um, yeah, I just started exercising like two days a week. And about seven months later I had lost 50 pounds. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but that's really the story. Um, but then a lot of emotional components came after that, you know, body dysmorphia, um, dealing with this weight loss that just happened. And um, that's when I really started diving more into mindset and nutrition. And that's pretty much actually when Allie and my paths really began to cross and courageous wellness started to kind of come into existence. So that's kind of my spark notes version of my uh, wellness journey and a little intro um, into Allie and courageous wellness. Yeah. yeah. Do I can elaborate more or I just... <laughs> Thank you for sharing. And if people want to know more, they need to go listen to your podcast because you talk (laughs) about different episodes, you kind of break it down. And uh, you and I actually met at an event that helped with self-care and self-love. So um, that your journey. Yeah. Uh, What I love about your your show, uh, you and Allie, your, your show is that it talks, shares people's stories and both of you have such interesting stories that a lot of people can relate to. So I think it's important to go listen to that podcast. 
uh, to hear more <laughs> in details. Um, Ali, uh, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so I am by trade a performing artist for, gosh, 15 years now or something. And, um, you know, have always professionally worked as a singer and actor. And I um, was actually in Japan for about a year and a half. When Erica and I reconnected, we met through um, our Buddhist practice, but we weren't like super close necessarily. We we're sort of like social friends. Um, so to rewind from that a little bit, I when I was um, 29, I had been diagnosed with a rare cancerous tumor on my back. Um, and it's interesting because as a performing artist with that as my background, I had always been interested in how to feel myself and how to take care of myself um, based on what I needed to do physically for my job. But once I had the cancer diagnosis, I really, I think, started to change my relationship with my body, things I had taken for granted um, all of a sudden, you know, being young and healthy. Um, and even feeling young and healthy when I got the diagnosis was such a sort of interesting flip your world upside down experience. Okay, yeah. um, I was super fortunate though. I, I um, had three surgeries on my back to remove the tumor and make sure all the cancer cells were gone. But the stage that we caught it in, um, it was not an aggressive tumor yet. It, it was caught fairly early. So I um, was able to treat it just with surgeries. And after that, through um, interesting sort of nutritional cravings while I was healing, um, I really started to dive even deeper into my own relationship with food and nutrients and diet. Um, so that's really what sparked my deeper love of nutrition. But then fast forward again to when I'm living in Japan on a contract there, Erica and I reconnect because we're reading the same book on nutrition <laughs> and we realized this over Instagram. And so, um, after I moved back, we started talking, realized we had this sort of passion in common in our own lives. And, you know, not all of our friends are interested in talking about gut health in the way that we are. <laughs> so we really forged a deeper bond from that. And she really shared her story with me and I, shared the depths of my sort of process with going through the cancer stuff with her in a new way. And we realized, you know, oh, we have these stories to tell that really have been so profound in our own wellness journeys um, and have informed them. I didn't know about her weight loss and her experience with that until kind of we reconnected on this. So um, we just learned on a personal level how powerful sharing your your health and wellness journeys is. is. Um, and then from that, we sparked the idea for creating a platform where we explore other people's journeys in this, in this realm. That's so wonderful. And I, I was just going to ask you, how did this come to be? I think there's a lot of cases where a lot of, you know, girls in particular will get together like, oh, we should do this. We should do that. But you guys actually followed through and it's been almost two years or yeah, I think we had the idea, the first idea two years ago this month. Well, thank you so much for <laughs> following through because the, the stories, and you cover a variety of different topics for courageous wellness. It's not just about nutrition and gut health. There are so many other stories um, that you 
shine a light on, which I think is very helpful. Um, I really, I personally love the, the person you had for the financial gym. That was very nice to hear. Uh, a lot of stories where something wonderful comes from struggle and challenge. Yeah. And that's yeah. a theme that we see a lot. You know, we've done over a hundred interviews at this point and, um, it's, it's how people really deal with adversity in their own lives. That some of the most sort of, um, fulfilling or successful, however, however you want to define that, um, sort of work comes out of that. Okay. So Erica and Ellie, you have this wonderful podcast. You interviewed over a hundred really interesting people from people who've started a business based off, you know, a challenge or adversity that they faced, or just a really positive story of how, how someone's overcome something. What has changed since you first started? Is, is it the mission kind of the same or is it just like, this is just fun for us to do? Has anything evolved from the, when you first started? This? There definitely has been an evolution. I think, you know, um, as Ali mentioned, she was a performing artist and, you know, my prior life, I was also in the entertainment industry as a producer and a director um, wearing many different hats. And so we were both storytellers by nature and we understood and I think have always had a passion for telling stories and the power that comes from telling stories, right? Because I think something I've really learned through my own journey and through the journeys of so many others is like shame it really lives in the dark, right? Like I think especially in wellness, all these experiences we have, it really lives in the dark and it can't live in the light, right? Once you start to share your story or um, talk about these things that you feel shame around, it really takes the power away and you realize how many other people um, are experiencing it or have experienced it and you're able to start really moving through your own experiences. I feel like once your story hits the sun and the light. Um, but with that said, so I think when we started, we knew how powerful storytelling was. But again, like you said, we just did it. And I think there is really something powerful and important in just starting, you know, like really just starting. Yeah. And, you know, of course, wanting to share courageous stories of other people so that people would feel less alone. But now 100 episodes in, us going back to school, us starting this Courageous Wellness Collective, um, I think our mission has continued to evolve into um, so much more than that. And we feel so passionately about food accessibility, food affordability. You know, we really want to be a part of change and community wellness and, you know, so much more than I think when we originally started, which was just the power of sharing stories. We really now want us in our community to go and make an impact, um, in our local communities. And I don't know, Ali, if you would like to elaborate on that as well. Sure. I mean, I think, as Erica said, you know, the original passion for storytelling was there and for sharing the stories. But it's interesting when you sit down and interview 100 plus people within the matter of a year and a half, maybe a little bit more at this point of interviews, um, you get like a masterclass on yeah. from, from these incredible people in all sorts of sort of specialties within um, just like how to do life from 
business to taking care of yourself, to spiritual health, to self-care, to financial health. I mean, Crystal, you were one of the first uh, people we interviewed, which was is so exciting, but we knew that it was going, we were going to have this sort of holistic approach to what we defined as wellness. And what we in turn learned from these interviews and from this like sort of incredible information that we get to receive all the time as hosts is the importance of um, community wellness. Like there is something, there is somewhat of a disconnect in the um, wellness world, This, which is what we've we've grown to see, which we didn't really know existed before we really were a part of it, where there is a lot of privilege in wellness. There's a lot of, um, there's not a lot of diverse voices all the time in experiences. And that's actually like, what is wellness, right? Like we've really, it's really forced us to explore what is wellness. And it's like, well, if I'm you know, I have access to all this, these resources to take care of myself, but my neighbor does not. Well, am I really well then? Am I, you know what I mean? Like, what does it mean to have community wellness? And, you know, um, as Erica mentioned, part of this focus for us has been on the importance of food. So we've also, it's also led us to start being um, advocates in that space. And we partnered, uh, we did an event. It was our first event with the Westside Food Bank and partnered with them to raise awareness and money for them because they serve 70 different agencies in our own community in Los Angeles. So that's definitely sort of an elaboration on how the mission has grown. I I think that's wonderful. And how could it not grow when you hear so many different stories and you guys, you mentioned privilege. Um, I grew up kind of like Erica in, in the sense of where not necessarily food insecure, but the food that we ate was not healthy because of our budget. And, um, then at 15, I decided to go vegetarian without any nutritional guidance. So this girl was passing out all over the place, not knowing why. And, um, it was, it's very, the ignorance or the lack, the lack of education is severely impacted. I can tell just my life on the way that I have a relationship with food, how, um, how I developed emotionally and mentally, hormonally, all of these different things. And that's just me as one person. You take the whole community and have all these, I'll, I'll call them dysfunctions or just irregularities due to lack of proper nutrition. And, and then on the flip side, holistic wellness, part of that is, is a community and environment. So don't you want to be in a community environment who's the same and, and supportive and also getting healthy with you? So that what you guys are doing are very, I think, very important to uh, personal uh, health as well as community wellness. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay, so let's... Um, Thank you both for sharing your your short version of the story of your personal journey to and how you guys have developed this wonderful platform that's growing. And um, integrative nutrition is a new word uh, for most probably that are listening to this. Uh, they may know dietitian who just deals with food and nutrition planning for dieting purposes. But other than that, um, you know, food as medicine, food as this, food as that, it's a whole new world. So can you explain integrative nutrition just kind of like in layman's terms? 
Sure. Um, I can take this. Erica can jump in if she wants to. Um, so integrative nutrition is really a way to look at um, our health holistically, that nutrition is not only the food that you put on your plate, which is a big component of it, but it's not, you know, if you're not looking at all the elements of our life, like your relationships, perhaps your, you know, your satisfaction with the work that you do, your um, home life, your movement in your life, like all these different components that maybe uh, work together in a way that really um, make up the primary nutrients in our life. And that when we also look at those components of our lives and take a look at those components of our lives, sometimes the food is actually secondary. Now the food is incredibly important, but it's like, if you just treat the food, it's like, it's sort of like you're saying this idea of functional medicine or food as medicine. If you go straight to the food, sometimes it's sort of like trying to fix a big cut with a band-aid rather than it's like, well, why does this cut keep appearing on my leg? You know what I mean? Maybe that's like a weird metaphor, but it's like, it's not necessarily always going to the root of what um, may be causing certain issues with the food. Now, um, so that's, that's really what it is. It's an integrative approach to looking at our nutrients and how we, how we, feed ourselves and what we feed ourselves. And that's more than just the food on our plate. So that's sort of what integrative nutrition is in a nutshell. In the way that we look at wellness in our, in our podcast world, we look at wellness in this very holistic big picture, right? We explore finances, we explore sexuality, we explore food, we explore um, maybe holistic cleaning products, right? All these things that like infect our environment. Um, we do that as holistic nutrition health coaches as well. Again, looking at that privilege when we grew up with hearing wellness and taking care of yourself and maybe they still don't know as far as what to do, but understand that it's something that they should look into. So you might have that type of client, but you might also have a client who, um, for example, from a cultural perspective, like uh, Hispanics, I've talked to several Hispanics who were like in their fifties, like forties, fifties, and they're not feeling well all the time. And I mentioned several times, like you need to look at your food. It's all like you're eating tortillas and rice and lard and all these different things consist in tons of meat, like consistently corn and all these, these things that might be affecting your gut. And as much as they don't like to not feel well or complain, they're just, they, they, well, so I can't eat any Mexican. Like they, they don't want to let go of their traditional food or they don't, they can't conceive doing something else. So how, how do you deal with that type of mentality? Not deal, but how do you yeah. work with that? Well, I feel like that's why, you know, so many people, right. We want to make changes. We know we don't feel good. We, you know, have the internet. So we have some, you know, some semblance maybe of changes we can make, right? Like I feel like everybody knows, right? Like Twinkies or whatever, like name a food might not be the best thing for you, but if you have an emotional relationship with Twinkies, (laughs) it doesn't matter if you have that knowledge, right? Like that's the food you're going to want to go to. So I think what's interesting about our approach, and I feel like um, 
I can't speak for other health coaches, but I do feel like it's something that's unique to integrative nutrition is, you know, I think a lot of people are afraid, right? I'm going to go talk to somebody. I'm going to see someone, or they've talked to their doctor and their doctor is like, you have to cut X, Y, and Z out of your diet. That's really, again, hard and challenging for a lot of people, especially because food is so emotional, right? Like food is your relationship with your friends. It's your relationship with your family. It's your heritage, right? Like you could have been making this food with your mother or your grandmother. And like, how could I take that out of my life? You know, and I do believe like joy is a component of nutrition and like foods that we love, we should not have to remove from our diet. Um, forever or at all. So, you know, I, I actually have a family member who is um, not someone I coach, so I can't speak to uh, results, but, you know, um, very unhealthy and, um, you know, uh, very unhealthy where it is affecting their health and their weight and, you know, to the point where who knows how, how long they can live. And, um, one family member, for instance, wants to take the approach of, okay, well, you need to start working out every single day of the week. And like, you need to cut all these foods out of your diet and, you know, like, and I'm just like, I tell them, I'm like, that's not going to work. Like, it's just, that's not going to work. And anyone listening who's there, they know it's not going to work. I was that person. Like I said, I tried to lose all this weight for so long. And I would go so hard on some diet for like two weeks or some exercise regime for two weeks. And then it wouldn't work. And like, um, I think it's because we have to get to the root, right? We have to get to the root and understand why we want to eat the foods that we eat. How do we incorporate, um, small additions as opposed to subtractions, right? Um, This person in particular that I'm using as an example, they eat a lot of fast food and burgers and fries and, and fast food, right? So how, how could, how much could their diet and their health benefit if they just added a vegetable to every single meal? Eat the, keep going with the fast food this week, but let's add a salad to every single plate of food you eat, right? And I think Ali can talk more about this, but I think we betray ourselves so much that we don't trust ourselves to make lasting changes, right? We say, oh, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to stop eating this or eating that. And then we don't. And then that creates this pattern of betrayal. So it's like, why not? Okay. Keep eating. Of course, we don't recommend our clients eat fast food, but in this extreme case of this family member I have, if they're going to be eating fast food, it would change their diet significantly if they added a salad to to their lunch and dinner, right? To add some vegetables. I think making small additions will lead to long-term solutions and changes. And for some people I coach, that's starting with drinking water before they have their coffee in the morning, 10 minutes of movement a day. It doesn't have to be these drastic, I'm going to become a plant-based vegan (laughs) the day I start working with you, right? I think it's these small, manageable additions that lead to long-term health. And so Ali, I'm sure you can speak more on this as well. Well, it's interesting, this concept of self-betrayal. This is something we've, Erica and I have been discussing lately in the context of our practice. And it was through, I don't know if you follow her on Instagram, but do you know who Dr. Nicole LaPera is, Crystal? She's um, the holistic psychologist. Yes. Yes, I do follow her. So there was something she posted recently about um, self-betrayal being actually a coping mechanism that we develop as children and in development. And that, um, 
it's through that it's actually like a form it's a, it's a form and, uh, and behavior sort of system that we implemented in order to protect ourselves. It's not actually a bad thing. It was a coping mechanism. And she was suggesting that anybody who wants to start reprogramming that, which I think we all have on some, on some level, um, add something or do something for 30 days that's seemingly like insignificant. Literally, it's like, I'm going to drink a glass of water every day for 30 days, or I'm going to stretch for five minutes every day for 30 days. Like something that's easy and pretty achievable for almost anybody, right? Um, And one woman was sharing her experience. I was reading this and I was just like, my brain was like, exploding because she said she did it with a glass of water for 30 days. And as a result, she was able to reprogram that component of self betrayal for her, for herself. And she wound up losing 80 pounds. She reversed all of her multiple sclerosis symptoms, which were in full because because she was able to, it wasn't that drinking water, drinking a glass of water for for 30 days let her lose 80 pounds, but it was changing her brain chemistry. And so, and, and then, so there's that component to it, right? But we need to be gentle with ourselves because we go into this failure and shame cycle. If you like, like Eric was saying with like the diets and the, I'm going to do this exercise workout, but it's like, great. But if after two weeks, it's an unsustainable component of your lifestyle, what difference does it make truly? And so the idea is to get out of that sort of shame cycle and really develop lasting lifestyle behavioral changes with the support of a coach. I mean, this is not easy stuff. This is why coaching exists and is becoming even more and more prevalent in doctor's offices. You know, many doctor's offices are now staffing with teams of health coaches because it's unrealistic. As Erica said, like your doctor's like, okay, cut out gluten, cut out dairy and cut out red meat and come back. Okay. That's great for them to be able to tell you in the five minutes they have with you. Right. But it's not, it's not an easy thing to do when you have patterns of 50 years of, you know, habits and emotional connection. And then the, the other thing I would sort of speak to on that too is, and this is why I think people need to really, really work on being gentle with themselves, which I think as health coaches, we can sort of ease them into and give permission to do is that as even we're making these behavioral changes and changing our brain in this way, we are also in a world that is constantly stacked against us from a nutrition standpoint to make us sick, to make us need pharmaceuticals, to make us like kind of dependent on the healthcare system, which is really sick care. And we have foods that are mostly processed that aren't real, real food and that are manufactured in a lab to hit bliss points in our brain, to make us addicted. And then to tell us that like, and to, and that we're constantly being sold these things too through advertising. So that's why none of this is easy. And that's why ultimately like, health coach and advocate in that way is really someone that can help you make these lasting changes so that ultimately you feel better and hopefully live longer. Erica, if you have some, do you have anything to add to that? 
No, I think that's, that's great. I mean, Ali and I can yeah. talk about this forever. We're obviously yeah. so passionate about it. So, um, but yeah, no, please go ahead. Yeah. Um, the, I used to be one of those people, maybe I think 2013, I was meeting a lot of life coaches all of a sudden. And I really thought like, Oh, what an easy job. Like I don't need a life coach. I have a bartender. Like I go and talk to the bartender with my problems. Of course, you know, that was the mentality that I have. And I think that a lot of people have as well, but, um, from, from someone, so, so my, I've gone through several transformations, some short-term, some long-term, the long-terms are definitely harder. Short-term, you, you need a strong why, um, because usually it's going to be like an accelerated program, accelerated weight loss an accelerated, you know, um, uh, even with the financially fit bootcamp that I have, it's accelerated. It's meant for short-term changes uh, and hope and to start the, the shift in the mindset. But long-term, I would recommend still having a financial coach. Personal training, if you want to, if you're getting married, you want to fit into a dress, you know, certain size, yes. But do you want to maintain that afterwards? you still need to talk to that coach. Why? Because stuff happens, challenges happen, bad habits come back in, triggers start to occur from things that you learned in your past. So you go to that comfort food. And then as Ali said, we have all the stuff working against us with the foods or process to make us want certain things. And for me, it's been a personal struggle with nutrition uh, from body dysmorphia when I was a teenager and young adult to, you know, I, I struggled with bulimia for a moment, not because of my body, but because I, you know, the control issue, I had nothing in my life going on. So, and, and now I actually am in the best shape uh, that I've ever been at 34 years of age, because I've been able to create long-term habits and it didn't come from any of that intense or drastic things that I used to do that were really just hurting me. And I even need a coach. I have like four or five different coaches. You guys might become my nutritionist coach, just to head up. Would <laughs> <Heads> up. <laughs> be honored. But, but I, yeah. And, and the, 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 the people that I meet that are so influential, they also have coaches and mentors. So um, I feel bad that I was so ignorant to what coaches were back in the day because I really could have used them. And I, I didn't know it at the time, but I had mentors and those were my coaches and you, and people need those. So, um, just to remove the stigma of any health or life or business coaches, there's such a need and importance for it. Yeah. And I, I just want to say too, cause Ali and I, we coach each other. Like, you know, like I work on coaching Ali, Ali works on coaching me. I think what's to speak to that as well. I feel like what was so instrumental in my journey of even awakening to self-love and weight loss was my spiritual practice, right? Where I have mentors and I have um, leaders that I would go to and would literally encourage me. It was actually a leader in my Buddhist faith who at my heaviest and my lowest straight up called me out and told me, she said, Erica, you do not value your life. And that, that like, I needed to hear that. Right. But, and obviously I knew her and had this relationship with her where she could say that, but I think all the time, what if she hadn't said that? What if I hadn't sought that out? 
it would have taken me so much longer to get to where I was going. So I, I do think, yeah, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I don't need a coach. I have my friends. I can do this on my oh, own. Yeah, yeah I, I have my, you know, wine nights with my girlfriends, but, and all of that is great. <laughs> we have that too, but you, you do there, there has to be some component to, um, I, I, I do think a coach makes a massive difference. So uh, for me, I may be more knowledgeable in finances, but then I have you guys for nutrition. I have my personal trainers. I have my yogis. I have my mindfulness coach. I have all of these different elements that help me with my holistic wellness, and which takes a huge load off me because I don't have to become an expert in everything. No. And I feel like there's sometimes that, that pressure culturally, like we're inundated with information, like, oh, we should know, you know, the best way to do X, Y, Z. It's like too much, you know, it's like, sometimes we just need support. And even in the context of, I was thinking about this, I think sometimes like in a business partnership, like Erica and I have a partnership. Some days I'm just so grateful for having a partner because Honestly, it's like we do hold each other accountable when it would be easier to self-betray, right? Sometimes. And so- 100%. So I think you can look at your relationships with health, whether it's a health coach or financial coach or whatever, as someone who's in a partnership with you, who's there solely to help hold you accountable when we all as human beings- do have that sort of self-betrayal trigger like that wants to go off, you know? And so for accountability, um, and I think that's so important to in, in just general transformation and sustainability of that transformation, how do you coaches help that? Is it just like with check-ins, which definitely not undermining, like check-ins are so important. Just knowing that my coach is going to check in, like motivates me to like stay on track. Right. I think that there's like someone there that you have a scheduled appointment with and that you're going to, you've sort of committed to show up in that time. I think that is massive. Like that is not an underrated thing, you know, because it's, I know for, I'm speaking for myself. Like if I have, oh, even I'm going to use like a business kind of example, but I know it's like, oh, if I said to Erica, I was going to do these five things off of our you know, collective to-do list by this day and I haven't done it. It's like, no, I don't, not only do I not want to let myself down, but I don't want to let her down. There's like sort of that psychological thing that just like showing up with someone, I think, um, you know, brings to the table. But we also yeah. do support with email, follow-ups, check-ins. Um, it might be different depending on the situation, depending on sort of like the coaching um, package. But yes, we do right. have other resources that we send and um, communication with our clients as well. Awesome. That's wonderful. Yeah, okay. Think, so, oh, go uh, ahead. ahead. Okay. No, I was, I, I fully agree. And I think every person's different and every person's needs are different. So of course, like, I feel like every person we coach is a different experience, but um, yeah, I do think having somebody, as Ali said, where, you know, you are checking in on, you do have this standing date with, it does make a difference in the way you, you process. So, yeah. yeah. So from going through this training based on what I'm dealing with in any certain day. So something that really fascinates me that I actually work 
with our clients on because it's a time of high stress. And I think um, it's a time of high stress for the world, for the planet. I think we were living in a place of high stress, just it being 2020 and constantly being on devices and all this kind of stuff. But then COVID hits and it's a sort of a new level of stress that people are dealing with um, and what that can do to the body and what that can do to the hormones and what that can do to the sleep cycle and what that can in fact do to the hormones, which affects the hunger cycle and affects perhaps cortisol release, which is another hormone that can, um, is a stressor hormone that can lead to, you know, holding on excess weight. Um, and really getting to the understanding of, for example, our nervous system, our autonomic nervous system, which is two parts, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system, and what our body really needs to be like highly functioning with our digestion and our rest is to activate the parasympathetic nervous system. But in times of stress, high stress, where we can't designate the difference between being like attacked by a tiger or a stressful email from work or watching stressful news on the TV, our bodies live in this sort of sympathetic nervous system where we're constantly in this um, fight or flight mode. And when you're in that mode, you can't properly be resting and digesting. Those two things can't coexist because your body's not equipped to stop for a sandwich when it's running from a tiger. Um, it, you know, so it's like things like that, just sort of this, this sort of scientific understanding of what's happening with my body's systems at any given time based on sort of external things allows me to now also make choices that maybe better support, um, my hormone health or do some deep breathing exercises that I know is going to really help my digestion. Um, so, I think that's how it's, I've been able to have this awareness of how I choose my food on a daily basis, um, you know, wanting to maintain certain blood sugar, that kind of thing with, for, for energy throughout the day. Um, and that sort of affects, you know, my food choices are different every day, but based on my day, I know what I need and I know what's going to serve me the best. So you, yeah. you mentioned something, sorry, Erica, uh, but you mentioned something that was interesting that it's not just about the food, but also maybe preparing your body for food. So like taking deep breaths if, when you're stressed out, is that, so is that part of? Yeah. Well, that's part of, that's like one technique you can use to really activate your parasympathetic nervous system. It's really doing sort of like deep, you know, some people call it belly breathing. It's deep breathing into your diaphragm. It's not shallow breathing. It's really, there's, there's so many types of breath work you can do. Yoga is great for it. Um, really sort of relax. It's like activating these relaxation kind of in your body, uh, where when you're in this sort of stress mode, you're not, you're not in that space, right? So absolutely in order for your body to be fully digesting food properly, it needs to, you need to be in the parasympathetic nervous system. Um, and Erica can talk a little bit about, you know, even all the components of like preparing for food. I think, especially with gut health specifically, I don't know if you want to take that over, but she always is talking about chewing and all the important things. Oh yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit of a gut health nerd. And I was going to say, that's something that I've definitely taken from our program. And, you know, obviously Allie and I have a lot of information on different diets, you know, all the things that are 
trendy from Whole30, keto, um, gluten-free, dairy-free, et cetera. But like you said, it's really about what's going to help us long-term and not just short-term. And also the bio-individuality of every single person, right? Like really understanding and learning that it might really work for your friend to be keto, but it might destroy your body if you went keto. Like you might become a monster because it just doesn't work, right? Like we all have different um, hormones and gut bacteria and just genetics, right? That um, completely change what works for us and what doesn't. So I think um, self like experimenting is is really important and doing that with a coach is extra fun. But yeah, the gut is something I'm really passionate about. And a great book for anyone else who is interested in gut health is um, The Microbiome Diet by Raphael Kelman, um, MD. And um, he is, it's, a, it's an incredible book. But the thing about the gut is what I find so fascinating is that, um, okay, I'm going to nerd out a little bit, but our cells are 90% non-human. We are mostly bacteria. Yeah. What? So actually <laughs> genetically, yeah, genetically we're 99, I think 0.9. It's very high um, genetically similar to each other. Um, it's okay. very different, our genetics. Um, but um, our cells are 90% non-human. We're actually bacteria and six pounds of bacteria live in our gut. And this is actually like really new, incredible science um, because we didn't really study or care about these um gut bacteria until very recently, but we're now learning that they actually determine everything about us. They will determine if we're obese. They will determine if we're thin. They will determine if we are healthy, sick, sad, everything. And not to get like gross, but they're even looking into like, I don't know if this isn't gross to me, but it could be gross to some of your listeners because we're going to talk poop, but they're even looking into like fecal transplants to see what that can do to people who are obese because your gut microbiome if, if these bacteria are unhealthy and, you know, they're, they're really in the control center here. Like they're going to determine you, it's not about self-control, like not even just from the reasoning of all the marketing and all, all of that sets us up to have bad gut microbiomes, right? From the way we've been eating, all the antibiotics we've been taking. But once we've destroyed our gut, which most of us probably have, you know, um, especially us eighties and nineties babies, um, we're really set to be screwed because these gut bacteria control your serotonin, your immune system, and your cravings. So it doesn't matter how much self-control you have if you have a nasty gut because it's going to literally be in your head talking about wanting those you know, candies or whatever. So it's just fascinating to me. So I'm really passionate about let's heal our gut first, because once we heal our gut, and again, I'm all about small additions, not subtractions and changes. Um, but I think once we're able to really start healing our guts, our overall health ridiculously transforms, our cravings change, our immune system increases, our, um, our you know, mental health, you know, it's just it's really amazing. And so I'm very passionate about the gut microbiome and, you know, it's, it's definitely the place I go, but back to digestion, like Ali said, you know, taking a few deep breaths, you know, before you even like sit down, you know, because there's so many senses, the first digestion, um, really begins. And of course, like Ali said, if we're operating from like this stress mode, we're not gonna be able to digest anything. Our body is literally like 
freaking out. Um, but you know, let's say we are able to digest our food. The first step is in our mouth, right? Our saliva. Even if you think of, you know, um, a food you really love, your mouth starts to water, right? That's the first step of digestion. It's signaling to your, you know, organs and your gut. It's like, hey, we're about to go to work. And I, I also think that, sorry, not to nerd out one more time, but once you start learning about your body, it's really amazing how hard it's working to keep you alive. And these gut bacteria, they want to live. Like they want everything in you wants to live. And I just think that's so beautiful when you think it's not just like you, it's like you have this whole beautiful ecosystem inside you and you want to keep it alive. So yes, taking a few deep breaths before you eat your meal, looking at what you're about to consume, you know, getting your sal- you know, salvation going or saliva, <laughs> salvation, getting your saliva moving and then chewing, you know, um, chewing is a big part of digestion. And if you think about it, everyone after this, the next time you need to think about how much you chew because we don't chew at all, maybe like two or three bites and then we swallow. So, um, you know, it's, you know, suggested to chew your food as much to liquid as possible. That can be really hard. Um, I'd say just try chewing like 10 times if you can to start, you know, 20 is like a sweet spot that a lot of people say that really helps with digestion. If you're having digestive problems, um, that can make a really big difference without even changing your diet. Um, but just, yeah, get conscious about how you chew. Cause it's a really important, a really step, important in step in digestion. And if you're having stomach aches a lot, it could be because you're just not chewing your food very well too before we even got into like what's going on with like, you know, what your body can process. <laughs> Sorry to have so, nerded out so hard. Thank you for geeking out. Um, I would love to ask you more questions on this, uh, but I'll, I'll ask just one just for the sake of time. Um, how does, how do you, how does one heal the gut? Mm. It's a really good question. I mean, there's lots of different ways, you know, I think what's really hard is that every single person is different. So again, this is not one size fits all because, you know, um, I know probiotics are very popular and they're definitely something I would suggest. However, if you have, um, SIBO, which is a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which is, um, a gut problem or even leaky gut, um, probiotics can do more harm than good. Um, you know, so there's not one size fits all. So I say that, you know, if you're having really extreme gut problems, like, you know, please talk to a medical professional. But with that said, I think if you're just dealing with maybe gas, bloating, um, if you're not going to the bathroom, you know, ever, because a lot of people don't go to the bathroom, everyone should be going to the bathroom every single day, um, at the very least every other day. And if you're not going to the bathroom, at least every other day, something is wrong with your gut. Even if you don't have stomach aches, I had, um, a client that I worked with and she was not, she's going to the bathroom maybe once a week, but she had no stomach aches. No, like nothing hurt her. She just wasn't going to the bathroom, right? She had bloating, um, but she wasn't going to the bathroom. And anyway, I'm very proud to report. She goes to the bathroom at least once a day or every other day now. So, you know, amazing. (laughs) But how did we do that? Right. Um, Drinking water, chewing, probiotics, fermented food. I love fermented food. I think fermented food is amazing. If we can all eat more fermented food, that would be amazing. However, that's not like commercial pickles and, you know, sauerkraut, um, that you find maybe at your local grocery store. Vinegar actually kills, um, the good probiotics. So if you see like a ferment, just make sure it doesn't have any, um, 
vinegar in it because that's how like pickles or sauerkraut, they don't need to be refrigerated, right? So um, I would start with maybe adding a fermented food to your diet. I love... um, I love fermented food. It's yummy and you can add it to a salad. You could add it to like, even if your diet isn't great right now, add it to your hot dogs, right? It's, you know, summer. If you're going to have a cookout, put some fermented crowd on top of your hot dogs, right? Um, And then, yeah, I would talk about adding a probiotic as well or some simple places to start. But other than that, you know, um, our gut bacteria really feeds on fiber. Um, But again, sorry, this is like a horrible answer to your question because this is why it is you know, all very nuanced and you can start with these things, but, um, you know, vegetables, you know, um, adding more vegetables to your diet, our gut literally feeds off of fiber and the bacteria and it produces more good bacteria in our gut. But again, if you're not going to the bathroom, adding fiber could make you more bloated or hurt you. You know, we really have to try to get you going to the bathroom before necessarily adding more fiber to your diet. So um, we can talk about it. I love talking about it, but yeah, Uh, chewing, drinking more water, a probiotic and some fermented foods are a good place to start. We'll have to do like a podcast on just uh, going number two. The yeah. point is going to <laughs> so important. It's so important. It really is. Yeah. And I actually, I was going to say, if you ever wanted to do a podcast, I healed some pretty brutal gut issues um, with an integrative approach, both with Western docs and uh, acupuncture and herbal medicine. So it can be done, but it's, as Erica said, a disclaimer, if you have some serious stuff going on, please seek professional help before you start experimenting. Um, because in those types of cases, um, the things that are typically really good can make it worse. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Um, the, the, that the gut health is definitely interesting to me, especially when you said that it affects serotonin levels. Uh, so it's not just about being regular or irregular. Um, it's it's the 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 brain, right? Our, our gut is our second brain or our first mm-hmm. brain. Yeah, yeah, our gut, our gut, and our brain have this incredible connection. Actually, in utero, utero, the um, the the cell that splits to become your gut and your brain is the same. So it's literally like they were connected in utero and our gut actually has uh, neurons and a nervous system of its own more than our spinal cord. um, Because even if our brain isn't functioning, our gut is still working. Right. So like, you don't have to think about digestion and, and let me tell you the process of digestion is so amazing. It'll change the way you want to eat your food but we don't have to think about it. Right. So, but yeah, the mental health component of the gut is a really big one as well. So like, even if you aren't bloated, even if you are going to the bathroom, there still might be some, um, pathogens living in your gut that are affecting your mental health and your serotonin levels. And, um, even your immune system, if you get sick a lot, um, that's a gut health issue. So, and again, it's amazing because this is such new science and I would recommend if anyone thinks this is interesting, um, the microbiome diet was the first book I read even before I went to school. It was like on the path of getting back to school, I feel like was reading this book because, um, it, it blew me away and it has a diet actually and you know, I don't love diets because I don't think they're like the most sustainable, but the gut microbiome diet does offer a diet to heal your gut. Um, and something I thought was fascinating and true is if you do heal your gut, you know, I think three meals a week or even three days a week, it said something like that. You can, you can eat non-gut friendly and it won't mess up your gut. It's just, 
you know, we're, most of us were raised on antibiotics and fast food and Twix bars and all this stuff that just has destroyed our gut, you know? So we have to start fixing it and healing it slowly um, and surely, and it'll make a big difference in our overall health. And then we can enjoy, you know, whatever we want to enjoy. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I don't have to express how the importance of gut health during this whole pandemic. This isn't and won't be the only virus that people, you know, we get. Things are always constantly being thrown out there. So keeping up immunity is important. And Mm -hmm. I think looking into nutrition and gut health is certainly the first step. Uh, One thing that I want to mention, um, and this is coming from my financial mindset, thinking in the future, but also as I look at my aging parents and especially during the quarantine and seeing that they're eating a lot more processed foods, a lot of things with a lot more preservatives, and they really do feel like shit. They're constantly saying, oh, I don't know what's wrong with me. My lip, my, this hurts, that hurts, this hurts. I'm constantly tired. And I want to tell them it's, you know, I do tell them it's the food. But then that got me thinking um, about all of, all of us, all of us in our 30s, our you know, 20s, 30s, 40s who have aging parents. Um, going back to the financial coaching I do, it's not enough to just look at your own retirement, but look at the retirement of your parents because that is going to impact you directly or indirectly if they have lack of finances, but healthcare. So I think it's important to not just, uh, you know, your parents who are going to be coming up into um, having more medical issues, we could try to eliminate some of those or prolong some of those by focusing on our, our, our health or their health. So um, for me, this is a very important issue because uh, I want them to be healthy into their retirement years, but also financially, I don't want any of us to go bankrupt trying to fix problems that could have been done with proper nutrition. Right. I think you bring up a good point and I've heard this said before, and I actually have experienced this with my own cancer bills. Um, The way our system is set up, you're either going to pay for it now or pay for it later because people complain about, you know, the cost of nutritious whole foods, which is a problem. No doubt it is a problem and we need a food fix in our food system. Um, Dr. Mark Hyman talks a ton about this. He just wrote a book called Food Fix. So that being said, but just addressing the fact that unfortunately we don't subsidize fresh produce. We subsidized things that go into processed food like overprocessed wheat, corn, and soybean, and which becomes hydrogenated oils and you know packed into our processed box foods. But um, even if it's more expensive to buy the fresh foods now, you know what's more expensive than like maybe 50 cents or a dollar here or there? A $100,000 bill from your medical bill, right? Or um, just crippling medical debt. And that is real. And so, yes, it's unfortunate the system that we're in because it doesn't, encourage people, especially if you have any sort of budgetary restrictions, if you don't, you know, if you can't afford it, I mean, that's real too. But sometimes I like to say, you know, even buying, not everybody can buy organic, but if you can buy some organic foods, look at the 12, um, 12 top 
dirty dozen on the dirty dozen list yeah it's it's put out every year by the environmental working group it's a free resource and it lists the 12 fruits and vegetables that are highest in pesticides so if you could buy just those at least organic or i also always recommend buying um if you can't afford organic fresh buy organic frozen the frozen food frozen veggies are picked at the peak of nutritional sort of co- composition value for them and frozen so um if you buy frozen organic broccoli it's it's cheaper than fresh broccoli and it doesn't go bad. So you're not going to have as much food waste if you keep it in your freezer and then just steam it up when you're ready to use it. I mean, those are just a few little tips that you can sort of apply to make things a little bit easier and more accessible. Yeah. And I love I think, that. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah. And I think, you know, I think when we're talking about people who like don't eat vegetables at all, just eat vegetables. I think before worrying about organic and non-organic, obviously, yes, the dirty dozen, the clean 15, and you know, we don't want our vegetables filled with pesticides, of course, but at the end of the day, it's better to eat a vegetable that isn't organic, that is in your freezer than eating like the frozen orange chicken or whatever, right? Like it's still like, let's try to eat the vegetable. And I also think, you know, back to Ali's original tips is because it is real and it is a shame. And it's something I think about all the time because it's true. Like it's the sad truth, which is you're either going to pay for it now or pay for it later. And I'd say like two things with that is one, you do finances. So you know this, you have to get really serious about where you're spending your money. Because I think there is a group of people who are like, I can't afford it, but then they like, go to Starbucks every day. And I'm, you know, I know that's not the majority, but I think it is getting clear with where are we spending our money and where are our priorities, right? Because I think it's different than being like, I can't do this and this isn't a priority or two totally different sentences. And then the second thing is, yeah, back to what Ali said about the parasympathetic nervous system and breathing. Some people really can't afford anything more than dollar menu. That's just, you know, I lived it. I saw it. I understand it. And if it's very different, if you're feeding a family of six for $6 and then being like a bag of vegetables is three bucks, right? Like that's, that's just the vegetables, not the whole meal. That isn't, that is a reality for people out there. I would say, start chewing your food more, like really chew it. Cause that helps with your digestion and relax because the environment you eat your food does make a difference in how it processes. And there are very, very sick people who are eating very healthy food like kale, like smoothies, like green juice. And they're not healthy because they're in such high stress that their body isn't absorbing the nutrients. Nutrient absorption is a really big back to the gut gut problem. And so if you're not absorbing your nutrients, it doesn't matter what you're eating. So the first step into absorbing your nutrients is chewing and breathing actually. And then if you're still not absorbing your nutrients, it's a different problem. But, um, a lot of people, you know, if you're going to eat the orange chicken, you still want to absorb the nutrients from the orange chicken and not just the poison. And that matters with how you're eating that food too. No, yeah. I think there are a lot more options now for people to find healthier, uh, whether or not it's organic food that's affordable. But yes, there are still a lot of cases where that it's just not enough. So I, I believe you guys are taking steps, Courageous Wellness is taking steps to help out food banks and, and kind of generate that awareness. So we are trying to help those. There's many people out there trying to help fill those gaps. But 
it all comes back to awareness and the guest speaker that you had last week. Um, what was his name? Uh, Eric Adams, Brooklyn president. Eric. He's the, he's the president of the borough of Brooklyn in New York. Okay. Yeah. So he made, he said something that is so valid in any type of movement that if you have to put pressure so if we, if we generate awareness and have everyone refusing to use plastic bottles, the consumer market will change. Brands mm-hmm. will change to fit what the consumers want. So with it comes to nutrition and awareness, the masses, not just people who already buy into wellness, um, you know, who have that, um, maybe that luxury, that privilege of already having that knowledge, but if everybody can, can start to put pressure on, we need these things, they're going to find a way. Mm -hmm. So if we continue to spread awareness with these podcasts, with what you guys are doing, your speaking, your events, it will help the general cause, but there are so many resources. Now I shop at grocery outlet. They have a whole aisle dedicated to health items. And what's normally $60, like the, the, um, um, powdered nutrition I get, I got it for $10. Wow. Incredible. Yes. Uh, garden of life supplements, which would be, let's say it's $20. You can get it for $10. So there are ways you just need to be a little bit more resourceful. Absolutely. And I will say too, Thrive Market gives away free memberships too. They have discounted organic groceries and it's a membership program. I, I, I don't, I, they charge a certain amount each month, but they give away free memberships to people um, who meet certain requirements as well. So that's another thing for people to look into because it's discounted um, organic groceries uh, for, for, you know, without it's a, a membership. It's a delivery service, right? It right. is a delivery service. Yeah. Um, but it's usually a membership and I've recently discovered that they give out free memberships. Awesome. There's resources out there. And just do your best. I will say, cause I think it's like, you gotta, something else that president, um, Adam said on that episode that I really took away with me was like, we can't meet people where we're at. We have to meet people where they are at. And I think, wherever you are at, it's like, you're listening to this podcast. Like, you know, I can't even tell you how many podcasts I listened to before my own nutrition journey really began. Right. Like even, uh, Crystal, we met right at the brunch series. And like, we, you know, this was all part of the exploration that was way before I had the podcast with Allie. Allie was still in Japan when I went to the brunch (laughs) series. So it's like, you know, you just got to start somewhere. And, you know, again, as we said in the beginning, it's not about waking up and changing everything about yourself and getting rid of all the foods you love. It's just like making one small little addition, you know, as often as you can. And then that turns into your whole life. And I think it can be really stressful and really scary because I think a lot of young people are getting sick, especially even healthy, like Allie, right? She's a healthy 29 year old woman, right? And people are getting sicker and it's getting scarier and we're now living right with a global pandemic and we don't know what's going to come next, whether it's COVID or something else from nature, who knows, but we have to just, you know, take it one day at a time and, and be kind to ourselves. Cause I think there's just so much information. It can be, um, it can be really hard to be kind to yourself, especially with the comparison game, but you're doing great. We're all doing the best we can. And I think that's important to remember. So I just want to um, highlight what I think 
I have found that is important in, in sustainable long-term transformation and what you guys have been uh, explaining, but making those small changes so that's not completely drastic and that it's doable and allow yourself to be flexible with, hey, I made this change, I tried it, it's not working out, I'm not going to give up, but like, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. Um, in, you, in having a supportive environment, uh, it was really difficult. Like uh, I went sober for a year. Just I just didn't want to drink alcohol anymore. I want some clarity. I wanted to do some things. And uh, I lost friends. And um, it's not like that we fought about, but I just realized that my environment I couldn't continue on because I kept going into these environments. I remember being at a bar and not drinking. I'm like, why do I come to these places? (laughs) It's not fun when you're not drinking. Now I can go to a bar and be fine. But before it was, it was difficult um, until I had to uh, reconfigure my mindset and my body. So having proper environment and then having a strong why that motivation, because it will get tough. What do you guys have to add to that for like um, uh, success tips? I mean, I think those are key. I think you really hit the nail on the head. And um, the only other thing that we sort of touched on that I would say is if anybody wants to do anything, like feels passionate about starting something that, you know, a huge lesson that we learned in our journey, and we're still continuing to learn it as we grow and expand, is that you need to do it before it's perfect. Yeah, there's no such thing as perfection. So like, And I actually read something recently that perfectionism is fear in disguise. So it's like, that makes total sense. It's like perfectionism doesn't exist. And if you're, if you're always like, anything can always improve, anything can always get better, but that can't be a reason not to do something. And so I think that was a huge lesson that we would just say too. It's like, you don't need to get healthy before you see a health coach. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to really do anything before you want to just take that next step in your life. And, um, you can show up as you are, and then the evolution will go from there. And I think allowing ourselves to do that um, breaks through a lot of the restrictions we put on ourselves. Absolutely. Great insight. Hey. Uh, Eric, do you, have anything, <laughs> do you have anything to add to that? No, just, I just... Uh, I so agree. I agree with everything. And yeah, I, I think... Yeah. Just like I said before, just be kind to yourself. You're, you're listening to this podcast. You're already on the journey and the journey isn't linear. You know, it's definitely not linear. So just take it one step at a time. And I always, you know, remind myself too, that forward is forward, right? Forward is forward. And sometimes even like a little backwards can be moving forward. So just keep going. A hundred percent. Okay. So just to wrap this up, I'm, I'm so grateful to you ladies uh, one for having the courageous wellness podcast, but the second part of taking steps to to learn more about integrative nutrition and health for yourselves, but also to help others. So, if people are interested in learning more about courageous wellness or um, about just nutrition in general, where can they go? What should they do? Yeah, um, our current website is courageouswellnesspodcast.com. You can come learn about us there, uh, learn about our episodes and the resources that we offer and get in touch too um, if you're interested in health coaching services. And within the next few days, actually, you'll, um, you'll have all of our uh, newest 
health coaching and nutrition sort of available options and offerings as well. And then find us on Instagram. We are at Courageous Wellness on Instagram. We release web um, episodes, new episodes every single Wednesday um, on all podcast platforms. And we also, we have offerings, but we do, um, we will work with your budget. So if, you know, it's a financial issue that's preventing you from having a health coach, just email us and we'll see if it's a good fit and we can make it work. If it, if you know it's something that you should do or you feel that you should do, but maybe it's not a high priority, first look at your why of why you want to change. And then if you want something, you will figure it out. Just to wrap up something fun, what is your current um, favorite self-care routine or activity? Hmm. Mine is um, because we are still in lockdown in LA. I know things are changing, but you know, for things aren't open still the way that they were. Um, walking, I go on walks every single day, and that it, I listen to a podcast and it clears my head. Um, I love walking, getting the vitamin D, the sunlight, and then on the flip side of that are bubble baths. I love a bubble bath. I. Yeah, I love a bubble bath. <laughs> um, do you have a really nice big tub? Just- I, I do, but even when I didn't, like I, I used to, even as a kid, <laughs> yeah, we didn't have a bathtub when I was a kid. And oh my God, I would like flood our shower because I would like try to, guys, <laughs> I've been a bathtub freak. I just, you know, but a hot steamy shower works too. I just like getting, you know, really hot and steamy. <laughs> Relaxed. Oh, <yeah. laughs> awesome. And Allie? I've also been walking every day and the sunshine is pretty important. Um, I just started reading again for fun. <laughs> like, I know that's like not, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm making it sound like this is foreign concept, but I feel like so much of the time I'll read articles or I'll read books as resources in like furthering our education and our sort of library um, with Courageous Wellness, which I love. It's, it's you know, a deep interest for me but I actually just ordered a book. It's a memoir. And I started reading it for fun the other day. And I was like, huh, I haven't done this in a while. I just keep wanting to like sneak away and read or lay on, you know, the patio and read. And, um, it's been, it's actually, the memoir been is this. yeah. What'd you say? It was the memoir or which, which oh, book? it's, um, it's a book called the rural diaries. And it's written by um, an actress named Hillary Burton Morgan. And it's basically just like, so this is the little subtitle. It's Love Livestock and the Big Life Lessons Down on Mischief Farm. It's about her basically being this TV actress. And and she's married to an actor too. And they um, decided to leave like big city life for an actual working farm in New York State. And they've created this whole farm life. And it's just like... It's just a fun, sweet read about their life on the farm. Yeah. Yes, that, that's definitely an escape. Like a, totally. I'm like, like oh, I want to get a farm now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is my retirement plan. I already, I got to stop looking at dog videos on social media. That's probably my health care. I binge like golden retrievers and dog rescues. And Aww. I just can't wait to have my ranch when I'm yeah. older. <laughs> Yeah, they have like alpacas. It's actually, it's a fun, it's a fun read. Cute. Cute. Awesome. Well, thank you ladies so much. It will definitely not be the last time you guys are on this, I hope, in the podcast. So thank you, uh, thank you again. 
Hi, listeners. If you enjoyed that episode, please make sure to download and subscribe to our podcast. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook. Our account handle is Be Well United. Mm-hmm.